Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Revelation, chapter 1. We began our study last week. John opened this powerful prophecy with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The usher will get you one while I'm opening. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, get your pen out. Get your pad. Piece of paper. The word revelation means the unveiling or the uncovering or a presentation of something that was hidden. An unveiling, an uncovering or presentation of something that was hidden. Like if a painter paints a picture and he covers it up because he doesn't want anybody to see it until the right moment. And then when all the people gather around, like we're all gathered around here in the church and in the presence of the Lord. And all the painter's friends are all gathered around. He says, come on, guys, listen. Come on, listen. Come on. Come over here. I got to show you something. I got to show you something. Come here. Come, come. Everybody comes. He's got his picture there. He's proud of it. It's great. And he says, Shoo. And everybody, oh, it's great. That's awesome. Beautiful. That's the idea in this word, revelation. It's an unveiling or an uncovering or a presentation of something that was hidden. Now notice it says the revelation, the revelation, meaning one revelation, not two revelations, not more than one, but just one revelation of one person, Jesus Christ. Now, again, let's correct our language. Some people, many times, often refer to the book of Revelation as revelations with an S. I've heard it. And that's not accurate. It is the revelation of the person, Jesus Christ. It's just one revelation of Jesus. And so John is writing this powerful, dramatic prophecy in order to present to us one person, and that would be who? I just gave y'all the answer. That would be who? Very good. Just one person. The person of Christ. The revelation. Now, John did not write this prophecy to discuss the nuances of the mark of the beast. 
John didn't write this prophecy so that we might get a deeper insight into the prophetic. He didn't write for that purpose. And as the Holy Spirit leads me, each week I'll probably say the same thing that you might know and understand and that we might all be clear as to why John wrote this prophecy. He did not write this prophecy in order to enlighten us in the area of prophecy. John wrote this prophecy in order for us to encounter Jesus personally. Not so that we might discuss the nuances of the mark of the beast and understand the deep and the hidden things of God. No. John wrote that you might encounter Jesus personally. This book is not written for prophetic information, but for personal revelation. And we might see Jesus. See him. Not that we might understand the future. It's not like Sister Chloe in the tarot cards on Psychic Hotline. Join me now. (laughs) Call me, my friends. What's up with her? (laughs) You see, you got to understand something here. These Christians, these saints, your brothers and your sisters, don't separate yourself from this. These are your brothers and your sisters. These Christians were being persecuted for their faith. And they needed, they desperately needed a personal revelation of Jesus Christ, who was going to come and someday deliver them from this persecution. So it's a prophecy or a revelation of Jesus Christ. And as you study the book, so important that you approach the book with that mindset. Now, there are four major views or approaches to understanding the book of Revelation. Four major. I want to give those to you this morning. The first one is the preterist view. P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T. The preterist view. This approach believes that Revelation deals only with the church in John's day, that this book is written for the current time, for the current day. The Revelation was for then, the preterist view. And then there is the historical view. This approach believes that Revelation is a sweeping history of the kingdom of God. It's not a detailed history, but a panoramic of all church history between the first and the second coming of Christ. In the historic approach, Revelation predicts the future, but the future of the church age, not the future of end times events. And then there, thirdly, is the poetic view. This approach believes that Revelation is a book full of pictures, and symbols intended to encourage and comfort persecuted Christians in John's day. In the poetic or the allegorical view, the book of Revelation isn't literal or historic. It's a book of personal meaning. And then lastly, there's the futurist view. This approach believes that beginning with chapter 4 of Revelation, it begins to deal with the end times the period directly preceding Jesus' return. In the futurist view, Revelation is a book that mainly describes the end times, 
four different approaches or four different views as you approach the book of Revelation. So your question, what is your position, Rodney? What would be your view? Well, I believe that each one is true in some regard. Each one is true. The book of Revelation did speak to John's day. It does have something to do and to say to church history. It does have meaning for our personal life, and it is a book describing future events. So I think of the four positions that a bit of each are true. Now, you are free to choose your position. And when we get to heaven, God will show you that I was right. Look at verse 3 in chapter 1. I love this verse. Blessed. Hey, by the, word, by the way, the word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy. Is he or she who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Now, I love verse 3. It's the only book, this book is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read and hear and keep the words of this prophecy. And it's interesting because even after, oh, I don't know, sometime after the service last week, one of the brothers came up to me and he said, you know what? He said, that verse is so true. He said, because as you were teaching and as we were reading, he said, my heart was just blessed. I mean, he said, you didn't even have to expound on anything. There was no exposition needed. I thought he was telling me to shut up in that little comment, but I was like, hmm, what are you trying to say? He said, but my heart, it, just, it was just blessings to me as we read it. And then even after this week, you know, just kind of getting into it and studying it and just reading it for myself personally, I found that my heart was blessed as I would study and just kind of uncover little different nuggets that the Lord would just give me. I just sensed God honoring his word as he blessed me this week. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart in this powerful book. I mean, it really is not a book. Listen, it is not a book that you need to be fearful of. There are people that will tell you, don't open Revelation because you need to be fearful. Man, something might happen. Don't read it, you know. Like the Ark of the Covenant, you know, if you're, like in Indiana Jones. If you open it like, and look into it, your eyes will burn out or something, if you know. And people think that. And many churches won't teach it. They won't teach it. There's no need to fear. Listen, Satan's ripping you off if that's what you think. Because there's a blessing promised to you if you just read it. Notice it doesn't say read, hear, and understand. It doesn't say you need to understand it. It just says read it, hear it, keep what you do know, and God will bless you. A promise to be blessed. Well, let's continue this morning to get blessed as we move into chapter 9. Revelation, or verse 9 actually. We'll get into chapter 9 in about four years. (laughs) 
I, we don't have anywhere to go. I mean, the Lord's just coming. I mean, you know, he's going to come get us. We don't have to, like, go meet him or anything. So we can just take our time, say amen. So in Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, say amen again if you're there. Notice John writing, I, John. Who, so who wrote the epistle or the letter? John. Very good. You're all Bible scholars. I, John. Both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for two reasons. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now notice that. Give me your attention, if you will. One of the things that I like about John so much, you know that one sister mentioned in her letter that, that I mentioned that John, that I like John because John was in your face. And, and that's true. I do like John. John is, this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John and also who wrote the, the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is the same John. And, and that John, this John is in your face. He really is. And that's what I like about John. But another reason why I like John, because John's just a normal guy. John's a, 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 just a guy. He, he's just a, a great guy. And, and, and he's a, a pastor. And notice he calls himself in verse 9, he calls himself a brother. And a companion in tribulation and difficulty. Now let's keep in mind this great pastor is a hundred years old about this time. He's been in ministry for many, many years. And John has the heart of a pastor and he has a heart for people. And John is writing as a pastor overseeing these seven churches. Now keep in mind that these Christians are being persecuted. They're being beaten and tortured and slaughtered and discriminated against and wiped out. They are under heavy and severe extreme persecution. You remember I told you last week that Domitian, when he came to the throne, he demanded to be worshipped. And because the Christians, they knew that they would have worshipped Jesus and only worshipped Jesus. And so when Domitian decided he wanted to be worshipped as God and all the Christians refused to worship him as God, he declared war on the Christians and he declared war on the Christian leaders of the church. And John would have been one of those leaders. And John says, as a leader, as a pastor, John says, I know what you feel. I know what you're going through. I'm going through it with you. I'm your brother and companion in tribulation. I like that John is just a real guy and a real pastor. He doesn't say, well, hey, John, Bishop John, Bishop Pope Pontus John, Reverend John. He doesn't say, most holy, excellent, let me kiss your ring, John. He just says, John, a, a companion. I'm with you, man. I, we, we all go through the same things. Listen, if you're being persecuted, so am I. And in this case, it was very real. John was very much being persecuted. You know, they tried to boil him in oil and he wouldn't die. And they had to do something with him. I mean, we can't get rid of this guy. What are we going to do? Well, get him out of here. Send him to Patmos. John says, look, I'm suffering persecution just like you. I'm a real guy. Pastors are real people, too. They're just 
real people. People that are ministers are real people. Now, I know you kind of get thrown off when people wear collars backwards and they look like the clergy. And you kind of go, ooh, clergy. I was at Ground Zero. And uh, at first I, I couldn't get in because I, I, y'all know me, I had on my ball cap, my jeans, my t-shirt, and I walked down there and they, they police all over the place. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm clergy. And they're going, yeah, and I'm Michael Jackson. And because I didn't look like clergy, they didn't think I was. And so I had a struggle getting in. But finally did. You know, you get the idea that pastors and ministers, you know, are some special people. They're not. It's a calling that God places on their lives. But in reality, if you're called to ministry, you should be ministering to people. Your job, your function is to minister to people, not for people to minister to you. Jesus came to serve people. And if you want to be like Jesus, you must serve people. If you're in ministry, you serve people. It is my job to get low so I can lift you up to Jesus. That's biblical clergyism. Is that a word? <laughs> you get the point. Clergy people should serve people. You know, oftentimes people refer to me as Reverend Rodney. Why are you laughing? People refer to me as Reverend Rodney, and I, I personally don't like that title. I would prefer to be called the right Reverend Rodney. <laughs> but I really just appreciate people calling me a brother, because pastors go through the same stuff that other people go through. We're brothers and sisters and companions in tribulation. And John is writing this letter as a pastor who cares about his people. And he's writing this letter from the island of Patmos. That's what he said in verse 9. Now, during the reign of Domitian, if you were here last week, we dealt with this quite in depth. But during the reign of Domitian, he had John sent to the island of Patmos, as I said. And Patmos was like an Alcatraz island in the Roman Empire. It was a prison without walls. It was a volcanic Island 50 miles from Ephesus, 10 miles long, 5 miles wide, little food, little vegetation, rocky, barren, seemingly God-forsaken island where men were sent to do hard labor and work in the mines and to die. And so it was on this island that John received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I am sure, I am pretty confident, stay with me here, I am confident that Satan and the demons of hell were congratulating themselves and having a party for succeeding to get rid of John and having him put away. I'm sure they were like, "Woo! finally got rid of him. And I'm sure they were patting themselves on their evil little backs and just, you know, really in partying it up. Because John's out the way. But I think you know the end of the story. His plan backfired. Boomeranged. It turned around on him. Instead of getting an obituary notice announcing John's death, what happened? The churches of Asia received messages of Christ's future victory. 
Interesting. And get this, and get this. God allowed John from that island, that rocky, barren, out-of-the-way, Alcatraz-type island, God allowed John to see further into the future than Domitian was able to see from his Roman palace. Hmm. Interesting. So in reality now, if you're taking notes, Satan helped the plan of God. He really did. Because if Domitian had not sent John to the island, John wouldn't have been in the place to receive this prophecy. And if John wasn't in the place to receive this prophecy, we wouldn't have this awesome book revealing Christ and the end times. So in many respects, John's Patmos experience was a blessing to us and a bombshell to the devil. Now, that is important for us to understand. The Bible says what Satan means for evil. Listen, Christian. What Satan means for evil, God means for good. You should say amen there. What Satan means for evil, listen, God, he means it for good. I mean, listen, everybody has a Patmos experience. Every Christian has a Patmos experience. Well, Ronnie, you don't understand. I'm just in a rocky, barren place. This place, I feel like I'm in a God-forsaken place. I feel like my job is a God-forsaken place. Hey, maybe it's sad but true. Maybe you feel like your home is a God-forsaken place. And spiritually, maybe you feel like you are barren and empty. And Rodney, I feel like I'm on Patmos. I'm having a Patmos experience. Well, listen, listen. What Satan means for evil, God means for good. So what do you have to do? You got to stay on Patmos. You got to stay there. Don't try to escape. Because you know what happens when you try to escape? Ask me what? Thank you for asking. You know what happens? God sends you right back to Patmos. <laughs> no, say it ain't so. Yeah, that's the way it happens. Because you didn't learn anything when you were there the first time. And now God's got to take you back. Why? Because he wants you to suffer? Because he wants you to be in a barren place so that you can do hard labor and die? No, no, no. He's trying to reveal to you Jesus Christ. He's trying to give you a revelation of Jesus Christ. But you can't try to escape. Stay there. Deal with your Patmos experience. God will reveal himself. He will. And so John tells us in our text why he was there. He said, there's two reasons why I was there. For the word of God, number one, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He didn't do anything. He, it wasn't like he was an evil person or a sinner or, or that, you know, he lacked faith. And so because of his lack of faith, God sent him to Patmos. No, quite the contrary. John was on, on the island of Patmos because he was full of faith. He was so full of faith, it kept spilling out. And he was telling people about Jesus. He was there because of the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John wouldn't deny the Bible and John wouldn't deny Jesus. 
It was the word of God that put him there. But it was also the word of God that made him who he was. And he wouldn't deny the Lord and he wouldn't deny the Bible. Remember last week we talked about it. John was a Bible guy. John was a theologian. He was a theologian in the Old Testament specifically. Remember, he didn't have the Bible with him. Remember, he didn't have the Bible with him because it hadn't been written yet. So he knew the scriptures. And John is there on the island of Patmos. And this word that you have in your hands was actually in his mind and in his heart. And he could quote scripture over and over. He had an incredible working knowledge of the scriptures. An incredible working knowledge of the scriptures. He was an Old Testament theologian. And I like that about John. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.